You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk by Pastor Kyle Logan, titled, Through Relationships, from the series Growing Stronger. For more info, visit creekside.org. Well, uh, listen, I asked Pastor Cameron not to pray, uh, specifically because I want to bookend my time with you guys with prayer on the uh, start and on the finish. And the reason for that is because prayer isn't just one of these things we use as a transition where we get to sound really eloquent and talk to God in front of you and you think, oh, what a great pastor, he prays so well. Um, Prayer is really, really important in arranging or rearranging a Sunday morning. What I mean when I say that is um, I never, ever, ever want to get in the way of what God might want me to communicate based on me liking what I have to say. And so if you guys would just join me in praying, I want to start off the talk this way so that I can really make sure that I don't stand in the way of anything God might be saying to you, okay? All right, let's do it. Father, we come before you, uh, Lord, humbly, and we give you this morning, we give you our time. We ask, Lord, that you would cause your Holy Spirit to be the loudest voice in the room. I submit my notes, my time, my talk, myself, my words, my lips, Lord, and all of me uh, to you. And I just ask, God, that you would use me and use the people in this room. God, uh, make us look like the church and uh, be the church this morning. And together we said, amen. Okay, thank you for doing that with me. So, uh, listen. If you're just joining us, we're in the middle of a series called Growing Stronger, and this whole series has been taking hard-hitting scriptures or scriptures with very broad and deep meanings and applying them to different areas of our lives so that we could grow together as a church and as a people who are uh, looking towards the future. If you're like me, you desire a preferable future. You want a better tomorrow. I know for a fact that I don't want to go backwards in life because my entire life has had this kind of trajectory, just steadily improving. And I, and I, I don't mean to say that, in it. there's nothing braggadocious about it, it's just that I started off here and thank God he's brought me here. And the last thing I want is to go backwards. I crave for myself, my family, my church, and my community a preferable future. And that is why this series has been so important. It, it, We're in the fourth week, I think, with it, and uh, it's just been kind of hitting me hard. So I want to share with you this morning one of what I consider to be my favorite topics. So far, we have addressed growing stronger in the love of Christ through trials in life and in the Word of God. And I have the pleasure to speak on a topic I consider to be one of my, I guess, wheelhouses, and that is relationship. Growing stronger through relationships. Now, before you get the impression that this is entirely about romantic relationships, no, don't worry. This is not about who we date, marry, or have feelings for. I'm talking about any and every human relationship, okay? Uh, You've heard me say in a lot of the times that I've talked, there have been elements of this. I, I, I oftentimes will say that people's value is intrinsically based, and how we treat people is intrinsically based on how we see ourselves and how we see God. There is just, to me, there's this inalienable fact that if I take a person and I say, oh, that person who flipped me off in traffic, driving that car, I won't even say it because you might have a that car. If I said truck, you, 
So I said, truck, you'd send me an email. Driving that car with a nasty bumper sticker or whatever, and I'm going, that person is just a blankety blank. What I've just done is I've taken a human being with a past, present, and hopefully a preferable future, and I have mushed them down into the sum total of things I don't like about them. And guys, that person was made in the image of God, and I can't do that in good conscience. Does that make sense? It's really hard to live this way. But I'm hoping that in the process of this talk, we will now begin to humanize those around us. Does that make sense? So let's grow stronger together. Um, the big idea there being that uh, Scripture refers to people as being made in the image of God. And, and that's, that's really where I get that philosophy. So first, I want to get our heads together in the same place. I repeat after me. Ready? The more we get together... Together, together, the more we get together, the happier we'll be. Is that true? I, we're going to investigate it this morning. We're going to find out if it's true, okay? Okay, here's the next part. Ready? Because your friends are my friends. No, Dorsey, you got it wrong. And my friends are your friends. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. Okay, so let's really investigate that, okay? Pastor Kyle, how long are we getting together? Uh, because there's two-hour friends, and then there's four-hour friends, and there's BFFFF, spend the night, hang out friends. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're all made differently, and we click and jive with different people different ways. There are times in my life where I go, oh, man, I, I would like to change this dinner meeting to a coffee meeting because I like coffee, and I don't want to spend extended periods of time with this person. There is nothing wrong with that. Maybe I'm being sympathetic in my direction, but you guys, it's just true, right? that some people are close to our hearts. David and Jonathan were this way, Old Testament king, Old Testament son of the previous king. They just gelled as friends, and they had this deep relationship. I believe that, that not only was that a God thing, it was a natural thing. They had an affinity for one another. And it's impossible to have the affinity, the same affinity for everybody around you, right? So you have this thing happen in, in friendships where the more we get together has to be rationed, okay? Now let's investigate the, the next part, because your friends are my friends. Okay, well, you know, uh, that might not necessarily be true. Now, here's the great thing. We're all friends with Jesus for the most part, right? I mean, generally, you guys are here because we have two things in common. One, we want a preferable future. You guys are not here to screw your life up, right? If you wanted to screw your life up, you wouldn't be in church. You want a better future for yourself. And so with that in mind and with in mind that we, we have a, common, a friend in common, which is Christ, the more we get together this Sunday morning, the happier we're going to be, I hope. I mean, messages challenge us, and so sometimes we don't necessarily leave church jumping up and down. Sometimes we leave church thinking, i got to change some things. But really, generally speaking, I think that when it comes to Christ, the more we get together, the happier we'll be. And we all do become, in essence, friends in the presence of Jesus. We become more than that. We become brothers and sisters, right? Okay, so that's good. Those are true statements in that light. Um, let's do a little learning about ourselves, okay? I'm going to run through a, a little bit of an exercise. Do you know what an introvert and an extrovert are? Generally, right? But some of you said no. So, so here's the deal. An extrovert gets energized by spending time with people. 
energized. It's restorative for them. An introvert gets energized by what? Being alone. Okay? So, um, I, am, I am actually an extrovert. For years, I was an introvert because I had so many emotional issues. It was really hard for me to be around big groups of people. The only way I could do it is if I was on stage because that's totally different. Standing in front of a crowd is different than being in a crowd. But now in life, one of the things that gives me the most joy is to step out of my emotional reality by stepping into somebody else's and just being with them. Because I don't have to be me or deal with me or any of that stuff. I mean, I get to be me, but we share in a moment and there's a unity in that. Does that make sense to you? Okay, I urge you to try it if, if, you, don't, if you don't have a friend. Maybe find one. But, <laughs> um, but here's, here's how we're going to find out who an introvert and extrovert is. First service failed this test. Okay, ready? Who would watch The Bachelor with a group of friends? Raise your hand. You are all liars again. Listen, the fir no, first service did this too. There are people in this room that I know have watched The Bachelor with a group of friends. Dustin Warford, former children's pastor, is one of them. Okay. Don't lie in church, okay? Listen. Who would watch The Bachelor with a group of friends? Tawny. Okay, good. All right. That's my wife. Thank you. Okay. Those are extroverts. Who would watch The Bachelor alone? Yeah. Okay. Look at that show is on television for a reason. All right. If everybody in this, no, no. demographically speaking, not true. Okay. Now here's the deal. So, extroverts, introverts, who would not watch The Bachelor at all? Okay. See, so we have, we have introverts, extroverts, and Christians, which is great. It's great. I am so glad that I'm part of a church full of Christians. <laughs> Here is the point. Togetherness is tricky. When we enter into a relationship with people, we feel overwhelmed sometimes and unsafe, right? And sometimes it depends on the company of certain people. Sometimes it's because we're insecure, just because we're insecure in and of itself. And other times it's just because they're jerks, because jerks are out there. There's nothing false about that. But... The bottom line is that life can't be done alone. Life cannot be done alone. An old saying goes like this. It's one of my favorites. It says, mankind left to his own devices is a creature of destruction. I don't know how many of you have seen this, but I can confirm when I am alone, I'm a creature of destruction. Isaiah 50, 11 urges us, don't walk in your own light or warm yourself by your own fire. But instead, we're called to let the word or Jesus be a lamp to our path and a light to our feet. I think we're supposed to have that memorized. I can't remember. But, well, yeah, PT said we're supposed to have it memorized. So let me give you an illustration uh, from my life. I was made for intimate relationship. And before you go, okay, that's a little inappropriate. <laughs> what I mean is I was made for deep friendship. I was made for connection and closeness. I really was. And being that I can't do it alone, when I'm alone, the rule is I get weird. <laughs> and I'm not talking about playing bongos in a Volkswagen van with Scooby and the gang. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is eating 7-Eleven hot dogs and watching Highlander while I surf the web looking for the best deal on bulk packs of seaweed snacks. <laughs> while I wear a thrift store women's blazer that uh, was large enough to look like it was made for a man, although the buttons were on the wrong side, you couldn't tell from far away. 
And my wife comes home from wherever, and she says, what did you do while I was gone? And I say, well, I bought a pet monitor lizard and two tarantulas. What, what else? I get a little weird. And we've talked a lot about the fact that she has said, if I die, you better get married and fast. Because <laughs> you can't make it on your own. You're, just, you're strange, and it doesn't work. And you know what? The, the truth is that that is a, an absolute fact, you guys. I couldn't do it on my own. And, and I think that it's true for a lot of us. We can't. But I know who, my, who I am in relationship to who I'm with. There's a perspective to that. I know who I am in relationship to who I'm in relationship with. So with my wife or with my kid or with my friends, there is a title and a place, a specific sort of thing that I am to them. And it gives me a, 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 a way of being. You, you understand what I mean? There's a powerful presence to that. So the question I have this morning is, who are you? I would submit to you that you are more defined almost by who you spend time with than who you are on your own. I really, really do believe that. I believe that if you're defined by loneliness, you are destined to live a half-life. People are like broken glass. They are harsh and sharp and jagged. But how else do you make a stained glass window? The tapestry of your life will be equally colorful in proportion to who you spend time with. That's my thought, okay? It's kind of hilarious to me that God made us needing relationship and yet gave us the free will to make those relationships so dang hard. But it's a, it's, it's a requirement. We can't live without it. I find it equally fascinating that the God of the universe should prize above all things relationship with you and your heart and yet make you capable of choosing whether or not to give him that. God gave us free will, and in doing so, let go of the treasure of the human heart, the relationship that we could have with him, and made it up to us as to whether or not we choose him. And I find that utterly fascinating because we're made in God's image, like I said before. And if he longs for relationship, what do you think we long for? We do too. Now, I, I want to look at some examples because if you're thinking, yeah, of course, we all have problems with relationships, Kyle. I know this, okay? I'm not a perfect person. Let me give you some examples because we tend to think that this only applies to us, but it really applies to the saintly people in our good old Bible. So let me give you an example. Paul and Barnabas. Paul is one of these guys that if, if there is a sermon going on, it's probably about Jesus, and if it's not, it's most likely in the words of Paul from the New Testament. He's credited with the authorship of a lot of the New Testament, and he was a man for the cause of Christ. He lived a devout life, an extreme life, somewhat of a zealous life, zealot life, I think. And, and, and Barnabas is a fellow minister and missionary. Now I'm going to share with you, this is not a verse that really gets focused on a lot because it makes Paul look kind of bad. But here's what happens. Paul is a spitfire. He's rough, impulsive, abrasive. And if you're elbowing your husband right now, please don't because I'm talking about Paul. The, the, the issue here is this. Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go on a missions trip. How saintly, how godly. And Barnabas says, let's bring John Mark. And Paul says, absolutely not. <laughs> that dude, no, he cannot come. <laughs> he says this because John Mark went with them on a missions trip previously and went home early. 
how do you guys feel when you're working really hard and your coworker goes home early? Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So here's the bottom line with this. Paul and Barnabas get in an overnight extended period of time absolute fight over it. And I don't mean fist fight. It doesn't come to blows. But they argue so intensely over whether or not to bring John Mark that in the morning they say, you know what? I don't even want to go with you. You go that way. I'm going this way. We're going to preach the gospel. We ain't going to do it together. That would be like on a Sunday morning if Cameron came up to do announcements and said, listen, uh, Pastor Terry will be ministering in Asia and Pastor Kyle is going to Mexico. Uh, they wanted to invite me, but uh, one of them wanted to and the other didn't, and so I'm going to speak to you this week. <laughs> Two people who you would think have it together enough to, to, to get over their differences, literally, two missionaries, fight to the point over whether or not to bring this guy that they just decide not even to go together because it's enough of a divisory line. Now, just so you know, Paul and Barnabas still ministers of the gospel. The, the, the story is great. Later on, uh, Paul even writes about John Mark and talks about his, his ministry, in, uh, his greatness in ministry, how, how well he's done and, and what a good man he is. So it's not as if it's a weird situation and it goes untouched by God because God really does cause growth there, okay? So, but it's, it's just to make you feel a little bit better if you're like Paul or Barnabas or John Mark, whatever. Uh, I want to move on and, 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 and give you this little phrase. People are problematic, Togetherness is tricky, and people are problematic. These are just facts. I want to give you an illustration uh, of, of how tricky life can be when we let people near us, okay? Our administrator and I are very good friends. Hey. <laughs> we are great friends. We get each other. We empathize. We have been many of the same places in life. We understand compulsion and addiction and broken families and craziness, and we have this togetherness because of it. It's a great part of our relationship. Now, here's what happened not long ago as we were in the office. Um, she saw me interacting with somebody, and she had the guts to sit down with me, and she said this, hey, that interaction, I think it needed to be different. She spoke to me on a soul level with love and interest for my well-being and helped adjust me and show me a blind spot and say, you know, you may be unaware of this, but honestly, this is how it looked, and I just need to say it to you because I care about you. Do you know what I did? Thank goodness, this is what I did. I sat down and I said, huh, you are so right. I didn't even think of it, and I'm going to make that adjustment. Thank you. I could have very easily said, well, sometimes you don't talk to people so good either. <laughs> and so because pot calling the kettle black here, no, 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 no. Just because, whatever, you can't excuse the truth just because you, 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 ha you could find a problem with the source. Do you get what I'm saying? A liar could call me a liar. doesn't mean it's a lie because if I'm a liar, a liar can call me a liar and it's true. Does that make sense? <laughs> Monique is not a liar. Make that very clear. So the, now the really, the really funny thing is I told this story first service, and I'm going to tell it again. The person in this next story is here and actually spoke to me about this event that I'm about to tell you about this very morning. And I thought it was hilarious, and I just smiled and said, yeah, it's great. It's hilarious. Yeah, I think of that sometimes too. 
and I was holding my notes that had this in it. So, so here it goes. Here's another, uh, here's another story about something that happened in the office. It's sort of a church outreach, a single mom's outreach. And uh, as I do, I cared a lot about the excellence of the event, and I burst into Monique's office, and I said, these things aren't getting done. We got to make sure there's more cones in the parking lot. We have to take care of this. We got to take care of that. We don't know how many people are going to be on campus. We have to prepare for it. We got to love these people. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm spinning kind of hot, and as I talk, I'm getting a little more intense and a little less like Jesus, and this person stops. Let me just, hold on. I, let's call her Cheryl Jumper or Sharon Springer, or a mix of the two. <laughs> and she, she stops me dead in my tracks, and she says, well, you're acting like a spoiled 10-year-old. <laughs> and I went like this. I got to leave. <laughs> I walked out of the room, and later on in the courtyard, we both came to each other, and, and uh, we both were going to apologize. I didn't know she was going to, but she beat me to it, and she said, hey, I just got to tell you, sometimes my son acts like a spoiled 10-year-old, so... That's why I said that. And, and, I said, um, and I said, it's good. It's all good. I, didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention or considering your feelings when I came in the room and I began to go on my little thing. And I apologized too because I should have been more considerate of who was present. And it was hilarious because we were talking about it literally right before service. And she was like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. And I said, yeah, I feel so much closer to you for it. And I, I, I really do. You guys, if we don't persevere through awkward or... or, or maybe infuriating events <laughs> with people, we will never get to know them on a deep level. And I'm sorry, but if you don't cover that kind of ground in your relationships without splitting up, if, you don't, if you're not able to reconcile, you'll have a really hard time with a lot of relationships in your life. As a matter of fact, let me just, let me just move on to this because logically we're moving towards this. Okay, Kyle, if relationships are as hard as you say, especially for for you, Kyle, because you seem to have more negative stories than good. If, if relationships are really as hard as they say, why bother? What is the point? If friends are going to bail on you, if pastors are, are, are going to mess up, if husbands are going to not love their wives and wives are, gonna, wives are not going to love their husbands, if somebody's just going to chuck the Monopoly board five hours in, if the bed is just going to be unmade later today, if my kids are just going to ask for money every time they call, you get what I'm saying? There are so many reasons for us to go, you know what, it's not worth my time. It's not going to be perfect, therefore I won't do it. A lot of people say things to me every once in a while, like, hey, oh man, really, you know, great singing this morning, Kyle. I wish I had a voice like that. And I say, you know what, you could for about 13 grand and a lot of work because I was a horrible vocalist when I started. It was very imperfect. And I asked a friend once, deeply exposing my heart, I said, do I have a good voice? <laughs> and he shruggingly said, maybe for punk rock. <laughs> oh, I was deflated. Okay, let me just tell you, though, I, I was a horrible vocalist when I started. Despite the lack of perfection, despite the lack of immediate perfection, I said, I'm going to get good at this. So I gave years and time and money and intensity and focus and I fought my way towards a preferable future in that arena. Guys, we have to acknowledge that the people around us are imperfect. Their interactions with us will be imperfect. And guess what? Ours will be imperfect with them too. Here's a great rule. If you require perfection from others in order to give them a chance, who's going to give you one? And when I say you, I mean me as well. That's not an insult. It's just a fact. 
We cannot expect perfection from others without applying that rule to our lives. We need each other. Like the soil needs water, like the birds need sky. And we need God even more than that. Without God, I suddenly become the center of my own universe. Without friends, I become my own friend. When I'm the source of all, I am nothing to myself. Hell is not just a spiritual place. I believe it can be found here on earth, found when we make ourselves our own God, our own friend, and our own idol. When we remove others, we have nobody, so we spoil ourselves with gifts. We buy things we don't need so that we can fill up space that exists in our heart for other people. Okay? We don't have to, we don't sacrifice, and so we sacrifice our ability to love people. If I am in a relationship with someone and they absolutely never let me down, I cannot truly say that I love them. I used to believe that love didn't really exist because God is love and love is perfect and God is perfect, so therefore humans can't love. But really the problem is, one of the things that makes God love is that he tolerates and loves imperfect people. If you believe you love somebody but do not give them the ability to be imperfect and you hold them to a perfect standard, I urge you to question whether or not you truly love them. I'm blowing through these notes. Last service, I was worried about being long. The old expression, use it or lose it, is very real. I believe that we all are capable of love, forgiveness, and acceptance. They are muscles within our body. They are muscles within our soul. But if we don't use them, we will forget how. I want to share with you a, a quote. And I found it to be really incredible. I'm reading through a book called um, Life of the Beloved. It's written by this author, Henry Nowen, and, and he literally wrote it to a friend who's a totally secular person who said, Henry, I want you to write a book as if you're talking directly to me. I'm not a believer. I don't want to hear those terms that I don't understand, that I can't use, that make no sense. Please, I want you to write a book and write it as if you're writing to me. So he did. He wrote an entire book, and in the beginning he said, he addressed the man by name. He said, I want you to know you are the beloved. And it's this fascinating book that talks about the journey of becoming. I never understood that before. Friends, if you think that your testimony is, I was bad, I got saved, I'm good now. Your testimony is continually being written. I thought once I achieved a certain level of hoorah, I was going to be fine and, and just doing great. No, you guys... Since I have found Jesus, I have all the same problems, all the same propensities, maybe even a higher likelihood of messing up because I'm trying not to mess up as opposed to just doing whatever I want. The journey we're on is a journey of becoming. One of my absolute greatest mentors in life was a conductor in Los Angeles. He taught at USC Thornton, and he taught at PCC where I went. And in one of our sessions, he was a closet Christian, and I didn't know it at the time, but he said, you know, Kyle, it's going to take time. And you need to understand that that makes perfect sense because this is all about becoming, uh, ever becoming, and ever belonging, and ever believing. And I, I didn't get it at the time. And then I read this book by Henry Nowen, and he says, not only are we 
brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're becoming brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only are we the beloved of Jesus, we are becoming the beloved of Jesus. He's referring to the fact that we are on this ongoing journey that is relationally driven in the direction of God and those around us, and that it is very much a journey about becoming. And I thought that was brilliant. I'm going to read the quote to you. I realized in reading this book that that was what my conductor was talking about. I thought, oh, it's great. Here's the quote. If it is true that we are not only the beloved, but also have to become the beloved. If it is true that we are not only the children of God, but also have to become the children of God. If it is true that we not only are brothers and sisters, but also have to become brothers and sisters. If all that is true, how then can we get a grip on this process of becoming? If the spiritual life is not simply a way of being, but also a way of becoming, what then is the nature of becoming? And he's redefining it. Okay, if it's not just a matter of finding Jesus and then boom, I am good, I be good. And it's a, it's a journey of I'm becoming more like Christ. How do you do this? And I'm going to submit to you guys, it can be done in relationship to him and each other. Who I am in relationship with those around me is so often determined by who I am in my identity in Christ. Let me give you a very, 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 very good example. If I strive to please people for affirmation, when I do or do not get that affirmation, it will affect my character. If I strive to please Christ and in the process please others, there is no downside. If my behavior is based on pleasing God, it will inevitably do good for those around me. Moses gave the Ten Commandments. Paul gave four or five, and Jesus reduced it to two. Love the Lord your God and love others as yourself. In this you fulfill the whole law. I'm sorry, I misquoted. I said Paul because we were talking about Paul earlier. But you get what I mean. There's this progression that, that moves towards fulfilling who you are in Christ and it affecting those around you. So forgive my misquote. I'm not gonna, we're not going to put this one online. Um, <laughs> I want to end with this quote. It says this, Our humanity comes to its fullest bloom in giving, sharing. We become beautiful people when we give whatever we can give, a smile, a handshake, a kiss, an embrace, a word of love, a present, a part of our life for all of our life. Our greatest fulfillment lies in giving ourselves to others. And I think Christ is the model for that and that that is very true. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to end with a little bit of an action step. Sometimes here at Creekside, we do this thing called table talk. It's part of the reason we have these tables. If you don't want to engage in this, please feel comfortable to just say pass. If you don't want to talk to the people at your table, that's fine. But here's what we're going to do. I want to give you four statements Okay? Four statements. I want you to own one of these statements. And I want you, if you find it to be true of yourself and you want it to be true of your life, I want you to say it to the people at your table. Here's the first one. Just choose one, okay, that applies to you this morning and then, and then we're going to live it together. One, I am not going to let insecurity stop me from growing stronger in my relationships anymore. Number one, I'm not going to let insecurity stop me from growing in these relationships, Okay? If that's you, that's what you're going to say when you go around the table. Here's the second. 
I'm going to step outside of myself because right now someone needs me. If that's you, you're going to say that when it comes around to you. I'm going to step outside of myself because right now somebody needs me. Here's statement three. I'm going to step outside of myself right now because, I'm sorry, I'm going to step outside myself because right now I need someone. It's hard to go up to a person and say, maybe in the words of Bob from What About Bob, gimme, 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 I need, I need, I need. If you've seen that movie, it's one of the best scenes of all time. But the bottom line is this, it is hard to be that person. You don't have to say it like that. You could say, honestly, hey, can I have your ear for a minute? I just need to talk to somebody. But that's the statement, statement three. I'm going to step outside of myself because right now I need somebody. Here's the last one. I'm going to forgive myself and love myself so I can love and forgive others. Alrighty? So statements, once, one, one time more, and, and, and if this applies to you, just write it down and let it be the one you say to the group. One, I'm not going to let insecurity stop me from growing stronger in my relationships. Two, I'm going to step outside of myself because someone needs me. Three, I'm going to step outside of myself because right now I need someone. Four, I'm going to forgive myself and love myself so I can love and forgive others.